0: If he's right, it means that to some extent, activities that maybe improve the perception of teachers and make them look more professional, maybe don't make them better teachers. But also, on the flip side, that things that make people teach better, maybe don't do so much to help them look professional. Hi, and welcome to ELTWTF. I had some complaints before in between seasons that WTF doesn't really stand for what Tim feels because most of the episodes are interview episodes. However, this week, WTF really does stand for what Tim feels. I'll be talking a little bit about my experiences growing as a teacher, the so-called celta and a backpack teachers, what a French sociologist can tell us about teacher development. I really hope you enjoy the show. My first experience as an English language teacher was five years ago in South Korea. When I went out there I didn't really have many options and going to Korea was maybe a way to save a bit of money and figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I did a 120 hour online certificate which was pretty easy, but it did teach me things like putting together a PPP lesson plan, but not a whole lot more than that. When I arrived in Korea I was working at a language school teaching middle school children. At this school I was the only foreigner, but I had some pretty serious hard working co-workers who were clearly into English teaching for life. They had a fair bit of training and experience. One of my co-workers had a bachelor's degree in teaching English and had been doing it for 15 years since graduating. Even though she was a really fantastic teacher with all this knowledge, she would often ask me questions about grammar and teaching just because I was a native speaker. You have to remember I didn't really know much about grammar or pedagogy at this point, In career at this time, I don't think you really needed to do much professional development to get a new job. It's one of those weird situations where people come for such short times that if you stick around for a year, you're going to be one of the more experienced foreign teachers around. You might meet foreigners on a night out who are also teachers and feel like maybe they'd moved up the ladder to better jobs just by being here longer, rather than putting in the work to become a better teacher. To be clear, I don't really know if it's fair to attack people for this, and I'll talk a bit more about this later. But basically, if your boss is happy to promote you without you doing any professional development work, I think that's probably more of your boss's fault than yours when you don't do that work. For me though, even though I knew it might not lead to anything, I thought it was actually kind of not nice, embarrassing and horrible to have someone think you're an expert just because you were born in one country rather than another. I think this feeling of embarrassment was maybe one of the big factors that got me interested in learning more about teaching. If you live in a small Korean town though, there isn't always that much available to you. And while there was some good stuff online, it's not always easy to find. One of the things I did find was there are some really good blogs about teaching. Some of them were by teachers based in Korea, which I thought was really cool. I love there's so many different ways of doing teaching right that were accepted in this online community. There were techie teachers, teachers who rejected the use of textbooks, people giving social theory criticisms of the teaching industry as a whole, all other kinds of interesting teachers. From here, I started getting involved in Twitter chats there used to be an organisation called CeltChat, which had monthly chats on all sorts of topics. I started going to conferences, meeting lots of people from this experience and learning a lot along the way. The most important things with all of these experiences, though, was never really learning things, but more being inspired, encouraged, and supported to experiment and try out new things in the classroom. I've learned a fair bit about teaching from just blogging, conferencing, and tweeting. I've also managed to land myself a job I really like, where teaching is taken really seriously. The other teachers where I work are really engaged too. Experimentation and development are encouraged. The point of this isn't to brag, but it is to say that I think you can become an okay teacher and land a fairly good job without gaining any formal qualifications with some work and hustle. What I want to talk about today isn't about my experiences. I want to talk about a presentation I saw at Camp CAMTSA last month in Pen on Pen. This presentation, to be honest, wasn't one that I agreed with that much, and I told the presenters as much that weekend. But the presentation did make me think a lot which is actually something I appreciate a lot more than a talk that just says a bunch of things I already know, I already agree with. In this talk, the presenter was talking about the need to professionalize the ELT industry. They did talk about becoming a better teacher by building a professional network. A lot of what they said was about the need to build respect for English language teachers. They were quite critical of what you might call CELTA and a backpack teachers, who are maybe only coming into the industry because they want to teach in an interesting country, travel around for a year or two, and then leave. They also compared English language teachers to other fields. For example, to be a doctor you need to complete six or so years of training. To be a lawyer takes two or three years. Teachers in high schools back in the UK also have to complete a year or so of training. Their argument was that we should have something similar in English language teaching and that if we did, we would be taken more seriously. Let's start by talking about these a backpack teachers. This was me for a really long time. And if you're judging by qualifications only, I don't really have any yet. So this is still me. The first thing I'd say is, I know a lot of teachers who don't really do professional development at all, but who are still really good teachers. They have a good personality, they work hard in class and their students learn really well. When they go home, they leave all of that stuff in the office. If you can get results teaching, do we really need to change your qualifications? Do you need to go and do a master's degree? Instead of comparing teachers to doctors, maybe we should compare them to a profession like being a plumber. If your plumber comes around, fixes the pipes, and then leaves, does anyone really care if they go to plumbing conferences on the weekend, or if they have a plumbing blog, or if they have a strong online professional plumbing development community? The thing about the doctor's point is that while teaching is important, if you have a bad class, all that really happens is you have less of a positive impact on your students than you otherwise would have. Nothing really horrible happens. If a doctor messes up, people die. If a lawyer messes up, people go to jail. It's true in the UK and the US and many other countries. To be a teacher, you need to have a year of qualifications to teach. That might be a better comparison. Even in this case, the situation is very different. The first thing we need to consider is that countries where I've worked, like China and South Korea, there's a big shortage of teachers. The second thing we need to consider is that in a lot of countries, English is used as a way of entrenching class systems. So for example, if you're from a poor family in a rural area of some countries, you're going to have very little access to English classes. This becomes bad when that lack of access changes how you're viewed by society and uh, your chances of doing things like getting a job or going to university. I know that in both China and South Korea, no, English is an important part of deciding which university you go to, even if your major doesn't really have much to do with English whatsoever. In a world where all of a sudden you needed a diploma or master's level qualification to get a job as an English teacher, how many English teachers would we have left? How would that change who had access to those teachers? I think this is a really hard question to answer actually, and it'll kind of depend on where you're based. There may actually be a strong case that so many of the so-called cell turner backpack teachers are native speakers. This might be a big improvement to the job market in terms of non-native speakers getting a job. And I think that would be a great thing. But the other major effect might be that there will be a shortfall of teachers. That might mean that teachers only end up working for schools that can pay well, which probably means they're very expensive for pupils or schools in really desirable areas be really bad for people who happen to live in the area where it's hard to get those classes or students who just can't afford those expensive lessons i know at my university we'd lose 50 to 70 percent of our teachers if you needed to have a delta or ma in tesol to work there those lost teachers would be good teachers all and i don't know my university would find it that easy to replace them because there's just not that many delta or ma tesol teachers around I want to finish up by talking about something that might sound very pretentious when you first hear it, but please bear with me because I think it helps explain the situation for teachers and professional development. I want to talk about Pierre Bordeaux and social capital. Bordeaux was a French sociologist and social theorist who I came across studying for my master's degree. He has this idea about social capital that I think is really interesting for talking about teacher identity. Social capital is about how social networks, recognition and respect... And this idea sees those things as something you own. If you think of, for example, a religious monk, that person might not have much money and in fact may not be allowed to have money at all, but they might have access to lots of things that other people don't because how people view them, the respect they have and kind of the networks that come along with that. In terms of academia, some qualifications might be more about acquiring this social capital than getting better at doing something. If you're cynical, you might see some qualifications as an exchange of financial capital and time for social capital. In fact, for Bordeaux, getting better at an activity and attracting social capital to that activity are not only separate, but are to some extent mutually exclusive. The more time you spend doing one of those things, the less time you have to spend on the other thing. He writes, There are, in every activity, two relatively independent dimensions – the technical dimension, properly speaking, and the symbolic dimension. A sort of practical meta-discourse by which the person acting shows, and indeed shows off, certain remarkable properties of his or her action. This is also true in the intellectual professions. Reducing the proportion of time and energy devoted to this show means increasing considerably the technical output, But in a world in which the social definition of practice involves a proportion of symbolic show, it also means exposing oneself to the possible loss of the symbolic profits of recognition, which are associated with the normal exercise of intellectual activities. What he's saying here is basically that the more time you spend being an acting academic, the less time you spend actually really talking about the technical side of what you're supposedly studying. If he's right, it means that to some extent... Activities that maybe improve the perception of teachers and make them look more professional maybe don't make them better teachers. But also, on the flip side, that things that make people teach better maybe don't do so much to help them look professional. So, to talk about my own life, I started this podcast about a month after I started my master's degree. I really love my degree and I've learned a lot of theory from it. I'm learning every week about how to analyze and do research, and I think that's really, really great. However, In terms of change to what I do in the classroom, I don't know if doing a master's degree has made a big an impact as doing this podcast. On the other hand, starting a podcast with WTF in the title might not do as much for me in terms of gaining social capital or looking professional as a master's degree from Oxford. There's definitely a trade-off here. On this note, I realized quite soon after releasing episode one of ELT WTF that Teacher Talk Time was a far better ELT podcast name than ELT WTF. But it's way too late now to change it. If anyone listened to last week's episode with the Teflology crew and wants to start a podcast, Teacher Talk Time is an available name. Take it and use it well. Anyway, there's nothing wrong with wanting to gain social capital and attract more of that to the field. I also know that maybe some master's courses have more of a practical element to them than others, and some of them are just research, research, research. If you like driving a lot, you might find out more about how a car works and how an engine works and all of these things. But knowing how a car works doesn't necessarily help you to drive. If you like surfing, you might go out and study surf science and find out all about how waves are formed. But Knowing how waves are made doesn't really directly impact your ability to surf that much. For me, I love photography, and I'm also kind of obsessed with poking around old mechanical cameras just because I really like to find out how those things work. However, learning about how cameras work doesn't directly impact my ability to take photos. I still really love it because I love photography, and it also gives me a better understanding of what is happening whenever I take a photo. So maybe some aspects of professional development allow us to understand what's going on in the classroom. Maybe they allow us to show off that understanding too. Maybe other aspects allow us to teach better. Both these things are really valuable, but I think this distinction is really important, especially in terms of that presentation I saw. If you're someone who's really interested in professional development, whenever you decide to do some kind of professional development activity, it's really important to know what you're getting into and what you want to get out of that. Do you want to have a professional development activity that's very practical, but maybe doesn't necessarily make you look good? Are you more about getting status and recognition through that training? If the answer to that question is both, I think that's possible. I think those kinds of courses and activities definitely do exist, but make sure that's really going to happen. I think it's far harder to do both than do just one of those things. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, I'll be back with Raiko Yoshihara and we're going to be talking about feminism and ELT. I had a really interesting chat with her. I'm really excited to share it with all of you. I'm also planning an upcoming episode with Michael Griffin in which we're going to do two things. The first of them is we're going to try and have an Ask Me Anything session with the pair of us. So if you have any questions about ELT that you'd like to see discussed on the show, you can send me a tweet or leave a comment at www.eltwtf. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to have a the second thing we'd like to do is have a session where we talk about your hot takes. If you have any ill-considered or controversial takes on ELT, please send them to us and you can see that discussed and rated on the show in a few weeks time. See you next week. Bye. Wish I saw so the rock'n'roll. Rock. Tu o fa American. tu o fa l'american. Wish I saw so the rock'n'roll. Wish I so rock'n'roll. Wish I so rock'n'roll.